0: This is Mayo Clinic Talks, a curated weekly podcast for physicians and healthcare providers. I'm your host, Daryl Chutka, a general internist at Mayo Clinic in Rochester, Minnesota. The widespread use of CT and MRI scans has resulted in frequent serendipitous findings. Often, these findings result in the need for additional tests in order to determine if they're clinically significant or not. Adrenal nodules are a common incidental finding on in abdominal imaging, and when these nodules are found, we really need to ask two questions. Is this nodule malignant, and could this nodule be metabolically active? This podcast will address these incidentally found adrenal nodules, also known as adrenal incidentalomas. We'll review when these nodules should be investigated, the likelihood they represent a malignancy, and how to assess if they're metabolically active. Our guest today is Dr. Irina Bankos, an endocrinologist at the Mayo Clinic in Rochester, Minnesota. Irina, welcome, and thank you for joining us today.
1: So glad to be here.
0: Well, it seems like I find these things quite often. Are these adrenal lesions becoming more common now than in the past?
1: this is exactly it. They are more common. For example, in a recent study that we've performed here in Olmsted County, Minnesota, we showed that adrenal incident increased tenfold over the last 20 years. So we've seen this tenfold increase parallel to the number of the CT scans we have done in the same population. So yes, if you feel you're seeing more of this, your feeling is correct. <laughs> tenfold more. Sure.
0: So is it's not just the fact that we are doing more imaging, they are actually increasing. Frequency. Yeah,
1: we don't know that actually there is a true increase in incidence because the only way we can find this out is incidentally on imaging. So we don't know how many of them were before when we were not doing imaging so often. Okay. Interestingly okay. though, the symptomatic or the cancerous tumors, Those did not really increase in frequency. It's all of those asymptomatic incidentalomas that do. So I suspect it's not really a true incidence increase. It's just we are finding out more of those.
0: Okay. Have you got any specific numbers uh, in terms of how common these things are?
1: Yeah, that very much depends on the age of the patient. Let's think in in whom we are doing the CT scans. Most of the CT scans are done in middle-aged adults, 50s, 60s and older. So not surprisingly, most of the patients with adrenal acid and are found in older adults. For example, in a study done in a radiology unit in Italy, actually, 600 patients undergoing CT scans for reasons other than adrenal tumors were consented into the study and their CT scans was looked at to see if they had an adrenal mass. And 7% of those people did have an adrenal mass. They did not even know about it. So how common it 7% of uh, patients in in their 50s and 60s, and probably even higher percentage in older patients? On another hand, if we are looking at younger adults or children, adrenal tumors are much less common. Only 1% of all adrenal tumors are diagnosed in children, and around 10% of all adrenal tumors are diagnosed in younger adults. And I call younger adults between age 18 and 40. Mm -hmm. Now, why is that? I think it's because you need a CT scan to find a tumor, that's one. But also, adrenal tumor is a matter of how long we've lived on this earth. So the the longer we walk around, the longer our adrenal glands have a chance to form a tumor.
0: Well, next question. I sort of alluded to this in my introduction, but I'd like to hear it from you. What could these adrenal nodules potentially represent?
1: Yeah, I think it would be best to divide all adrenal tumors in three major categories. Cancerous or malignant tumors, benign tumors, or a category on its own called theochromocytoma. And I can talk about this a bit more, but if we sort of start with the three categories, it would be much easier to understand what type of workup we need to do that. I should also add that No matter what category adrenal tumor belongs to, whether it's a cancerous tumor, whether it's a benign tumor, whether it's a theochromocytoma, it can be either functioning or non-functioning. So it doesn't mean that a specific category excludes potential function of the adrenal mass. And why is that? Well, because adrenal gland is capable of producing a tumor that is functioning, because adrenal glands are two little hormone factors that can produce those hormones. So not to be confused, the type of the tumor and the function of the tumor.
0: Okay. So when we find these things, do all of them need to be evaluated?
1: Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. I think I cannot accentuate it enough. Right now, if you look at all the studies performed in the world, it seems that only 5 to 20% of all adrenal tumors get appropriate workup. So I think we as physicians and patients lose opportunity for, for their physicians to make a difference in their health, because some of those tumors can definitely impact our health.
0: Well, we certainly wouldn't want to miss a functional uh, tumor, but I guess the big issue is, could we miss a malignancy? So what's the risk of these things representing a uh, cancerous nodule?
1: Yeah, again, depends on sort of what setting you're looking at it, but overall risk is around eight to nine percent. So if we look at all the adrenal masses diagnosed, around eight to nine percent of these would be cancerous. Now, Whether you look in oncology clinics or endocrine clinics or primary care clinics, that percentage changes a bit. For example, in the endocrine clinic, most of the malignancies we see is adrenocortical carcinomas and less so metastasis, which is cancerous adrenal masses traveling from somewhere else. On the other hand, if we look at oncology clinics, most of the malignant adrenal masses would be metastasis in a patient with known cancer elsewhere.
0: Our imaging studies, especially MRI, is becoming so sensitive. And we're now picking up lesions that are, you know, millimeters in size. Does the size of these nodules have anything to do with the potential malignancy?
1: Yes. Um, So, and this is actually the most important predictor of malignancy, but not a very accurate one. So it's definitely available to us to look at the size, whether it's a CT scan, MRI, or a PET scan. And the larger the adrenal mass is, the more likely it is to be cancerous. Nevertheless, it's important to know that if we look at all incidentally discovered adrenal tumors above a certain cutoff, let's just say above four centimeters, half of them would actually be benign. Half of them will not be benign tumors. So it would be either cancerous tumor or pheochromocytoma. So certainly it's a bigger percentage than I've mentioned 8% for all comas with adrenal tumors. So yeah, size is one of the characteristics that help us predict a cancerous tumor. But the most accurate one actually is not size. It's another characteristic on imaging study that we use. And it is called Hounsfield units, or in in another way, it's a density of the tumor. This can be calculated only on non-contrast CT scan. And because this Hounsfield unit measurements on non-contrast CT is so accurate uh, to exclude malignancy or pheochromocytoma, it's actually recommended by several guidelines to be the first step in evaluating an adrenal mass. And why am I saying it's very accurate? Well, because if you look at adrenal mass and measure the Hounsfield units and that measurement is under 10, then the risk for this mass to be cancer or pheochromocytoma is zero. It's just a 0% chance that that would be a bad adrenal mass. If the Hounsfield units is above 10, let's say between 10 and 20, that risk becomes a bit higher, 1 to 2%, but still very low. And if we look at old adrenal tumors with Hansfeld units above 20, that's when we really have to engage other things that may help us determining the risk of malignancy, because the risk of malignancy in those cases is more like 10 to 20%. So we talked about size, the larger the adrenal mass, the more likely it is malignant, but it's not very accurate. We talked about Huntsville unit measurements on unenhanced CT scan, and that one can absolutely exclude malignancy in 60 to 70% of all adrenal tumors, because if it's under 10, we can say that with great certainty. And then we, of course, have some other things that help us. Those um, may be available only in a minority of patients. So it's usually not available to sort of like the first test that we do.
0: So... In the evaluation of potential malignancy, it's really the CT scan that gives us the most information.
1: Non-contrast CT scan, Non-contrast absolutely. CT
0: scan. Is that all that's needed? Do you ever need to biopsy these things?
1: A minority of adrenal tumors may need biopsy. So let me discuss potential situations that biopsy may be needed. So first of all, we definitely do not want to biopsy any functioning lesion. We have not discussed about function yet, but if we have a functioning lesion, we already know what this is. So we absolutely do not need biopsy. The second thing, we do not need to biopsy any lesion, which is very unlikely to be malignant. So it means that any lesion with household units under 10, and I would argue even household units under 20 because of such a low risk of malignancy does not need to be biopsied, even if that person has some sort of other cancer. Let's say breast cancer with an adrenal mass. If that adrenal mass has household units of five, it just cannot be the breast cancer metastasis. So there is no reason to biopsy it. So that leaves us very few tumors that are non-functioning and that look indeterminate. So we may have actually other things that help us in this situation. For example, let's say I have a person with a three centimeter adrenal mass and Hounsfield unit is 27. So sort of indeterminate lesion. Maybe that person had a CT scan or MRI previously. So I definitely would want to look at that imaging that was done maybe six months ago, or one year ago, or five years ago and see whether the adrenal mass was present. If the adrenal mass was present and did not grow at all, that is extremely reassuring that we are not dealing with a cancerous lesion. Of course, if we do not have the imaging, we may consider biopsy, but most of the time we reserve biopsy for someone who is very likely to have an adrenal metastasis because it's in that situation that a biopsy would bring some value. Most of the times when we are dealing with an indeterminate lesion, but no particular risk factors for that person to have a malignant adrenal mass, we may decide to monitor. We may decide to repeat imaging and to evaluate for tumor growth. So to summarize, biopsy has a role, but I would say probably in less than 1% of all adrenal tumors.
0: And re-imaging is primarily to assess its malignant potential. Is that correct?
1: That's right. And that's important to underline because even benign tumors may grow very slowly, but may grow. But if we already determined that the tumor is benign, there is absolutely no need to monitor that lesion. It's only for those adrenal masses that look indeterminate, but not suspicious enough for us to remove it right away.
0: And how often should we re-image and how long does re-imaging need to be done?
1: I would say in most situations, only once. And how often it depends on your suspicion level anywhere between three months after initial study, if your suspicion is high up to 12 months after initial study, when you really think you're dealing with a benign lesion, which is just, you know, is indeterminate.
0: All right. Well, we talked a little bit about the potential malignant nodules. Let's talk more about the functioning nodules. What's the risk of these lesions representing a hormone secreting tumor?
1: Yeah, and much more common than the risk to be a cancer. So around 50% of all adrenal nodules are functioning. I think it's important to distinguish between overt function, someone who, uh, who presents, you know, and we already see multiple features of hormone excess on the physical exam. Those patients are rare. Most of the functioning adrenal tumors present with very few symptoms, at least not the ones that are quite detectable on physical exam we call those mild disease. Previously, it was called subclinical, but we now know it's not really subclinical. So overall, 50% of all adrenal nodules are functioning, and the majority of these functioning tumors produce cortisol, varying degrees of cortisol.
0: So let's say we evaluate a nodule, and we determine that it's of low malignancy potential, it's non-functional, do these nodules have the potential to later become functioning?
1: Yes. So if we determine that we have a non-functioning adrenal adenoma, this non-functioning adrenal adenoma, which is a been most common benign adrenal mass, has around 8% chance to become functioning. However, this function is almost 100% will be mild cortisol production. Why this 8%? Well, because we don't really know in what point of its natural history we diagnosed, we found this adrenal adenoma. Maybe it's still growing. And if it is to grow another one centimeter or two centimeter, despite it continuing being benign lesion, it may have more tissue to start producing cortisol. Because cortisol production is really proportional to how big the adenoma is. So in those few people where we don't quite know whether adenoma finished growing or not, those are the people who may develop functioning adrenal adenoma.
0: So could you go over what would be an appropriate evaluation to rule out a functioning adrenal adenoma?
1: Yes. So the most important test that absolutely all patients with adrenal tumors should have is one milligram dexamethasone suppression test. One milligram dexamethasone suppression test, just to explain, is a patient would take dexamethasone, one milligram at 11 o'clock in the evening. Dexamethasone is a synthetic type of cortisol. So it's not really measurable in the blood as cortisol, but it acts like cortisol. So what should normally happen in someone with non-functioning adrenal tumors or someone without adrenal tumors, that following that dexamethasone administration, the next morning cortisol will be very low. To give you a specific cutoff, it should be under 1.8 micrograms per deciliter. But the adrenal mass, if it is capable of cortisol production, does not listen to normal stimuli. So it will continue producing abnormal amount of cortisol, whether you give dexamethasone or not. So, if in a person with adrenal mass, cortisol, after that dexamethasone administration is above 1.8 microns per deciliter, we know that that adrenal mass is autonomously producing cortisol in excess, and that's the most sensitive way to detect cortisol production from the adrenal mass. It's not 24-hour urine cortisol collection. It's not salivary cortisol, and it's nothing else. It's one milligram dexamethasone suppression test. So all patients should have it done, no matter how adrenal mass is looking on the CT scan. The second test that should be done only in patients with adrenal tumors and high blood pressure, hypertension, would be testing for primary aldosterone or aldosterone-producing tumors. That's actually extremely common and very much underrecognized cause of secondary hypertension. Because of aldosterone excess coming from that adrenal mass, patients will have low extremity edema, hypertension, and a third of those patients may have hypokalemia, low potassium. So certainly much more common than Cushing syndrome or other hormonal problems and should be looked at. If a patient does not have hypertension, we do not have to test for primary aldosterones. And finally, the third hormone we should test for is for potential of pheochromocytoma or adrenaline-producing tumor. Those patients do present with incidental adrenal tumors, so we don't really need to select patients based on presence of symptoms because of that adrenaline overproduction. But one thing that can exclude pheochromocytoma is Hounsworth units under 10. So if you have that imaging to review and you already know that that adrenal mass has Hounsfield units under 10, you do not need to test for pheochromocytoma. Unfortunately, most of the times it's not available, at least not in someone who just initially was diagnosed with adrenal mass, because most of the CT scans we're doing are contrast enhanced, and this is why I think it's easier to remember that workup for theochromocytoma with plasma metanephrines or urine metanephrines should be done in everyone. So to summarize, dexamethasone suppression tests to exclude cortisol production, aldosterone and renin plasma activity to exclude primary aldosteronism, and plasma or urine metanephrines to exclude theochromocytomas. So
0: it sounds like the evaluation, both for malignancy potential and functioning nodules, is pretty straightforward. I would think it could be done by primary care providers. Is that, is that right?
1: Absolutely. And only if it's abnormal. I know we would love to see those people in endocrinology. Mm-hmm.
0: So which patient should we be referring to an endocrinologist?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. Anyone with indeterminate adrenal mass or Hounsworth units above ten. For anyone with abnormal testing for hormonal excess, let's say one milligram dexamethasone suppression test is above 1.8, or aldosterone and renin are suggestive of primary aldosteronism, or metanephrines are elevated.
0: Okay. What, how do we manage patients with the functioning nodule? What, what needs to be done?
1: Most of the time, adrenalectomy is it's the mainstay of therapy. If you have a functioning benign or malignant adrenal mass, we are trying our best to remove it. So adrenalectomy uh, can be done laparoscopically or through open adrenalectomy. Whenever we're dealing with a functioning cancerous tumor or with any cancerous tumor, we usually choose open adrenalectomy. And when we're dealing with a benign adrenal mass that is functioning, we would do laparoscopic surgery. It's important to know that This type of surgery should be done only by someone with expertise in adrenal surgeries, someone who did many of these over their career. And in in those situations, it's considered low-risk surgery and success rate is very high. There are some situations we may consider not doing anything and just treating hormone-induced comorbidity. That usually is a situation when that hormonal excess is mild or it's uncertain whether it's impacting our patient. And there are some conditions, for example, aldosterone excess or cortisol excess that could be treated with medical therapy. For example, spironolactone or plurinone for primary aldosteronism. or there are several classes of medications that are used to treat cortisol excess, though they're still quite new and not a lot of data are available.
0: Well, as an endocrinologist, I suspect you see some of the more unusual cases. Have you ever come across bilateral nodules, which are both functioning?
1: Yes, and actually it's not that unusual, uh, I find. 20% of all patients present with bilateral adrenal nodules and only 80% of patients with adrenal nodules have unilateral disease. So that absolutely represents a challenge in management because what I have to to determine as an endocrinologist is whether one or both of these lesions are functioning, And also, the patient may actually present with two different lesions. One of them is cancerous and one of them is benign. Everything we've talked about so far applies to patients with bilateral nodules, with a caveat that we have to look at each adrenal mass separately. As far as hormonal production, we may use some fancy alternative testing such as adrenal vein sampling. And that is pretty unique and only a few centers in the United States and in the world do that, but we can actually sample the right adrenal vein and the left adrenal vein and see where the hormones originate from. We would do that if we are considering surgical treatment for one of that side.
0: Well, that's been a fantastic uh, discussion. I've learned quite a bit about these things. Can you uh, kind of summarize our discussion, maybe two or three key points?
1: Yes, so I think I would like to start by encouraging everyone not to miss an adrenal mass. (laughs) So I think every adrenal mass deserves workup at least once to determine whether it's cancerous or if it's pheochromocytoma or if it's benign. And the second thing to determine whether it's functioning or not. There is some simple workup that can be done for both. For the first one, look at non-contrast CT scan and measure Hounsfield units, or talk to your radiologist and ask about Hounsfield units. And for the second, to determine whether it's functioning or not, to remember those three tests. One milligram dexamethasone suppression test, aldosterone and renin plasma activity, and plasma metanephrines. And we in endocrinology are always happy to help.
0: Well, we've been discussing adrenal incidentalomas with Dr. Irina Bankos, an endocrinologist at the Mayo Clinic. Irina, thank you so much for sharing your knowledge with us today.
1: It's been a pleasure. Thank you.
0: You can now listen to over 100 different medical topics developed for primary care providers on Mayo Clinic Talks podcasts. Find them at ce.mayo.edu or your favorite podcasting app. If you've enjoyed Mayo Clinic Talks podcasts, please follow us Stay healthy and see you next week.